Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. The Aaron Rodgers news broke after, right as I was getting off the air yesterday, that Aaron Rodgers feels that he's been disrespected by the Packers who have given him tens of millions of dollars up front after one year of a four-year contract. So I, I have a, a two-word I have a two-word response, and I, I mentioned that, and our talk and text line has absolutely e- exploded. I am talking dozens and dozens and dozens of responses. Here, here, here's kind of the background. Let me give you a let me give you an idea as to what the text line is saying. Two words that the Packers should say to Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Glenn in Burlington says, how about grow up? Um, your Another one, your contract. Two words, whiny butt. Not a lot of sympathy right now for Mr. Rogers. Um, here you go, Jeff. Off Weider, Off Weider sing. Yeah, uh, goodbye. In other words, uh, let's see. Two words: goodbye or bye bye. Those two words would be good luck. Um, let's see. Goodbye. That's what Mike on the northwest side says. Uh, I tell Aaron to quote pound sand. Um, Lou says, you're fired. <laughs> okay, these are the two words. This is the suggestions. First one I would use the, would be see you. The second one would be just relax. All right, we're kind of getting a sense where people are going. I think they should tell him to pound sand. Uh, Jeff, I think they should tell him tough excrement, although he doesn't say excrement. But you understand where we're going here. Uh, Jeff, Mike uh, from Leroy says, same two words, Goodbye. Uh, Laura in Las Vegas says uh, the Packers need to say, quote, we're sorry. All right, there you go. Um, Jeff, signed contract. Good riddance. Uh, let's see. Goodbye. These are some of the different ones we're getting. Jordan Love, quit crying. Good riddance. You're getting the idea. Bye-bye. Grow up. I'm going through the list. Adios, knucklehead. <laughs> oh, boy. Um Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Ooh. Um, goodbye. Goodbye. Adios, amigo. Dave in Germantown says, grow up. Goodbye. You get another one there. Uh, let's see. Goodbye. Hearing that a lot. Two words. See ya. Um, you get the idea as to where they're going. Um, bench bounds. See you. Um, enjoy Jacksonville. <laughs> okay, that's kind of it. Um, number of different things. You get the idea as to where we're going. Not a lot of sympathy in Packers Nation. My two words, my two words would be screw you. I, I mean, seriously, that is what I think the Packers should say to Aaron Rodgers. I have no tolerance, number one, for people who do not appreciate the circumstances that they're in, how good they have it. And I have no tolerance at all for people who are ungrateful. And Aaron Rodgers is incredibly ungrateful. Let's review the bidding here. All right. year ago, year and a half ago, Green Bay signs him to a four-year contract that makes him the highest-paid player in professional football. Oh, how terrible that is. Oh, that's just so awful. They give him tens of millions of dollars up front. He cashes the check. 
He, you know, he cashes the check. He takes the money. He goes on to have a great season. That's great. But, but he is incredibly well paid. And he's being paid a lot of money to play essentially a, a game. He wins the MVP award. I think that's great. He's under contract. This year he's going to make, what, like 30-some million? I mean, it's, it's just stupid money by any stretch of the imagination. But he wants out because he feels disrespected because last year, without telling him up front, that the Packers draft a guy who might be his replacement two years down the line or three years down the line or whatever. Let, let's try to personalize this. I was trying to think about this. So let's say my bosses, Craig Karmazin and Steve Wexler, come to me and they say, Jeff, we really love the job you're doing. But, but, you know, and, but we know, you've been doing this here for 23 years at WTMJ, we know that you are closer to the end than you are the beginning. That, that's just kind of the reality. Aaron Rodgers is 37 you know, years old. He's going to be 38 years old this season. It's not like he's going to play into his 60s. So my bosses come to me and they say, Jeff, we love the job you're doing. This is just great. And here's what the deal is. We are going to make you the highest paid uh, personality in Milwaukee radio. We're going to give you a whole bunch of money. We're going to sign you to a multi-year contract, which shows our commitment to you. And even though you know the contract will have provisions that say that we can cancel at a certain points in time, we're going to give you a boatload of money up front. Hey, thanks, guys. That that's that's great. And then I find out that because they know that I'm closer to the end than to the finish, to the beginning, I find out that, gee, they, they know that there's a day that I'm going to be leaving. Not today, not tomorrow, but they know there's a day. So they start thinking, okay, a few years down the line, we, we have to have some seamless transition. So let's let's bring in somebody on WTMJ nights and let's kind of groom them and let's let them work for a few years, get to know the audience, get to know how to do this. So at some point in time, you know, if Jeff decides he's going to retire or move on or whatever, you know, we can make a seamless transition. But nonetheless, we've committed a ton of money to Jeff up front. Well, and I've signed the contract. I mean, how ungrateful would it be for me to walk in and say, Mr. Wexler, Mr. Carmazan, I'm just I'm, I'm stunned because you've got somebody working WTMJ nights that you're grooming to replace me somewhere down the line. And by the way, I've cashed all those checks. What how ingrate what an ingrate that that would be. My response would be screw you. And here's what I think the Packers should do. It, obviously, if somebody comes along with this blockbuster trade that, that makes you a better team, fine. Then, then you look at it. But from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, all last night I was I went to the ball game, the Brewers game. But I'm listening to all this commentary. Oh, Aaron Rodgers holds all the cards. He's got the leverage. Bull. He's got nothing. Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't want to play for the Packers and the Packers don't get blown away by a great trade, you know what you say to Aaron Rodgers? You say, fine. You take your butt, you sit in your house in California, and you don't play football. If, and, and we'll save the money. And, and if you think you can get a gig on Jeopardy, that, that's fine. But I thought you wanted to play football. And if you want to sit out, we've got you under contract for three more years. If you want to not show up, fine. Don't show up. You're not going to get paid, and you're going to continue to get older. I mean, I'm sorry, but most people, and I think most athletes would tell you, typically your butt doesn't age like fine wine. You want to sit out when you're 37 or 38 years old? Oh, okay, fine. But you can't give in to this idea that I'm bigger than the team. I think... And, you know, and I think we're starting to see this from some of the responses we're getting. I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, who always said he was about the fans, I think he's really hurt his legacy in this regard because, oh, his nose is a little bit out of joint because they drafted his successor 
who, who, you know, again, two years down from now, three years down the line, the Packers, I think, would have been irresponsible to do anything other than that. They've showed their commitment in the most tangible way possible by paying him a boatload of money. If he wants to sit out in California and not play football, fine. Let him do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I was the Packers, I would I would stop. Look, if you can get him back, you he, he plays at a great level. The team is clearly a better team with him than without him. There's no question about it. And, and maybe if he doesn't play, it's going to be a rocky year. But you cannot be held hostage by whiny, aging players. I mean, it's not even like he's in the prime of his career. Of course, if he was in the prime of his career, they wouldn't have had to draft his potential successor. Packers have to think about the organization, not whether some whiny butt player is going to get his nose out of joint. A whiny butt player, by the way, that is the highest paid player in professional football, or at least he was when he signed his last contract. Okay. That's my rant. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your turn to wade in. We're back in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Somebody texts in. So are you saying they're, they're grooming somebody to replace you? Not that I know of. I just used that example. It was kind of like I, I always try to personalize these sorts of things. And But it is it is frustrating to me. I, I, just, I have no tolerance for people who are ungrateful. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve every dime he's getting. But the Packers made a commitment to him in the most tangible way you possibly can. They gave him a crapper load of money. That, that's the commitment you make. And now the guy is whiny and apparently upset because, well, you know, you didn't tell me that you were going to draft somebody who might replace me three or four years down the road. Well, buttercup, that, that's just the way that this whole thing works. They've committed to you for the present. I just, I have no tolerance for this. And, you know, people are saying, well, don't you think you should trade him? It, look, if, if somebody comes around and blows you away with a deal, that, that's, that's fine. But this idea that I'm not going to show up in Green Bay and I'm not going to play. Screw you. I mean, seriously. All right, sit on your butt in California, and if you've got three or four years left, fine. You you burn off a year or, the, or two of those, and yes, you think you can go be a big star on Jeopardy. Well, fine. You've got the rest of your life to do that. My, my guess is I thought you were somebody who wanted to play till you were 40-some years old. Well, I don't think you enhance that by sitting out a year or two. And if you don't want to show up, fine. Don't show up, and the Packers get to save the money. I just can't stand ingratitude. And the the arrogance of this i mean football football is a team and to do what he has done to me i I think i think he's permanently damaged his relations with packer nation um in a way that might even be worse than Favre did now brett Favre, i think has you know kind of made a comeback but it took years it it just absolutely took years 855-616-1620 let's start with jeff in fox point jeff good afternoon Hey, Jeff. In 2012, I went out to the bars for Halloween as, as Jay Cutler, and I had like a like a fake Jay Cutler jersey and a baby bonnet and a diaper and like baby accessories along with it. And I'm now considering updating it with an Aaron Rodgers jersey to come out of retirement for this Halloween because I think he's just become, made a huge spectacle of himself. I think you nailed it. He's acting like a spoiled child. And I think he's let this how all this, this like Hollywood stuff get, get to his head as well. Well, I think, you know, th- thanks to call. Maybe. I mean, I, again, I, I just w- whenever you start thinking that you are are bigger than the team, 
I think that's always bad. The NBA has a problem with that now. You you have players that that think that they can dictate stuff. If you if and and they're allowed to. If you want me to sign with you, I essentially want to be. I want to have control over who the coach is, and I want to have control over who the general manager is, and I I want all this different stuff. That that's kind of the, the trend, and I, I think ultimately NBA teams are going to start regret giving into some of that. And I think you know for the NFL, they're especially going to regret this. I mean. What are the Packers supposed to do? Seriously, I mean, they, they make a commitment to Aaron Rodgers by making him the highest paid player and giving him a bunch of money up front. He cashes the check, and then he, he's complaining because they're trying to think, okay, where are we going to be in three or four years? And he's all upset, and his nose is out of joint about that. Well, th- the organization has to be thinking about what what's the next step, which is why, by the way, the organization – drafted him when they had the opportunity to do it, even though they planned to have Brett Favre play for a couple more years. It's just, it's this arrogance. And and actually, that worked out well. And I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Rodgers' talents, but my gosh, I... um. I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I, 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 I know some people who are very close to the Packers and, and interact with uh, with Rodgers. And I, I just the other day I had a conversation with one of those people. I said, I, this is before this all happened. I said, I get the idea that he's kind of a prickly personality. And what somebody described him to, he said, well, he's got he's a guy who thinks he's the smartest person in the room. And lets everybody know that. And that, that's always a bad trait. I know several people who are the smartest people in the room. But the, the, but many of them, I'll give you an example. Many of them don't carry themselves that way. If you're ever in a room with Paul Ryan, former congressman, former speaker of the house, Paul Ryan is going to be the smartest person in the room. But Paul Ryan does not carry himself that way. I could give you other examples. Um, Rogers, on the other hand, does, at least I'm told by people who are close to him. 855-616-1620. That's Yakin at Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Paul in the North Shore. Hi, Paul. You're on WTMJ. Jeff, thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, I think you can point a finger at each of them. And, um, you know, the Packers organization has to do what they have to do. Yet they know who they're dealing with, a, a cantankerous, grudge-holding, <laughs> prima donna, yeah. star quarterback. Right, cantankerous, grudge holding, prima donna. I like that phrase. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. Yes, and and he could be, you know, he could be traded at any time by the Packers. So the contract talk doesn't really hold up. I mean, a contract's only good for a week in the NFL, right? Because then you're not the highest paid player at that position when somebody else signs their quarterback. Well, yeah, but when you give you, but, but when they give you, when they give you twenty one million dollars up front and you cash the check, I mean, you know, that's sure, yep. you know, so I mean that that means something, yeah. Yes, but again, there's only 32 humans also that get to do that job uh, in the world. So that's where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where Rodgers is coming from. So I think both of them are at fault. And it's, uh, so what do you do if you're the Packers? Okay, not, now now this thing is split. Rodgers, the, the story today is he's calling his teammates saying, "I'm not coming back." What what, what do you do now? I if, think if, you got to. I think you got to trade him. I think you got to trade him because there's no value if you try to. Let him sit out and prove your point, and you then next him, year you try to trade him. Do you give him away? I mean, yeah, I, for sure. Okay, thanks. See, now I, I guess I, I mean, I no, I guess my, I would disagree with you, Paul. My my take would be, and obviously, if somebody comes in 
with a, a market value offer, whatever market value might be. You know, I, I, in that case, that's fine. Do you do you dump him just for the sake of dumping him? Absolutely not. And I guess my my attitude would be, I think the Packers are the ones that hold the cards because there's no way, and you know what, that Aaron Rodgers is going to sit out three years. I mean, there, there, there's no way he, his his ego won't let him do it. And and yes, maybe he thinks he's got another career doing movies and stuff like that. And, and maybe he does. That that's fine. I don't I don't begrudge him that sort of stuff. But the truth of the matter is his. His ego, his mindset, his personality is wrapped around being an NFL quarterback, and he, he's got a limited shelf life left. I mean, he's 37 or 38, and I understand Tom Brady is playing, and he's 42 and stuff like that. And, and look, I, I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers go on and play for the Packers at a high level and be winning Super Bowls you know, into his 40s. doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But the Packers, I don't think, have an obligation to give him away. They're the ones that I, I think have the I, I think they've they've got the cards and if he ref, if they can't work out a fair market value trade for him and I don't know what that would be well then they're in a situation where okay Aaron that's that's great you know you either show up and, and you play or alternatively tell you what you just you just sit out there in California with your girlfriend and you know that that that's fine and you know you can do TV appearances and stuff like that and the clock is ticking and you know if you're really ready to walk away from professional football Okay, that that's fine too. Go with God. We wish you the best. Let's talk to Chuck on the South Side. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I agree with part of your story there. Yeah, he, he's uh, so strong. But let me ask you this: if we, if we do lose him, which we probably will, we're going to be in the la- in the solar for quite some time. I don't believe in love, and I do not do not believe the Packers know how to draft a person. If you look at all the draft picks we've had, where have we been? We've gone nowhere without the right people. We haven't picked up receivers. We have not picked up any good defensive help. What have we done? Well, okay. Well, well, Chuck, wait, wait a second. The, the, the Packers, the Packers were playing in the NFC Championship game last year. They were thirteen and three last year. They were what? Weren't they like twelve and four or thirteen and three the previous year? It's it's not like they're the Jacksonville Jaguars. They you know they, they right they they haven't made the Super Bowl. They haven't won the Super Bowl for ten years. So I understand that's a failure, but it's not like the team sucks. They they win, don't they? I want to tell you right now, if we do lose Aaron Rodgers. Are we going to still take the division? No, we're not. Well, I'm. Th- well, I guess. I look. I are. Are they a better team with a motivated Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level than they would be with somebody else? Of course, I, I understand that quarterbacks are tough to come by. But but if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to come back, I don't think you can let players just just whether it's Aaron Rodgers or anybody else. I don't think you can let players who have years remaining on their contract. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a free agent. He's got years remaining on his contract. The Packers control him. And the fact that he's decided that his nose is out of joint because, well, they they just they disrespected me because they didn't tell me that they were, you know, going to select a guy who might replace me in three or four years. And so I'm also upset about that. And oh, by the way, thanks for the 20 some million dollars and thanks for the contract that's going to pay me 30 million this year you you just listen to this and you want to go out and you want to take these big athletic babies and you want to kind of slap them uh, you know up upside the head and, and I, I look i've criticized the packers before when i think it's appropriate but in this case 
I don't think any player is bigger than the organization. I don't think any in, in any sort of business structure. I don't think the organization can allow any one employee to become bigger than that organization. And for people, you know, if Aaron Rodgers thinks he's been treated unfairly, hey, you know, look at how much money normal people make. And I don't think he's I don't think he's. I, I think he's being compensated, compensated is what his value is. But you want to talk about somebody who just apparently doesn't have any clue about what the real world is. Anyhow, my two words would be screw you. If they can make a deal with Denver or somewhere else, well, then, then fine, if you can get market value for him. Otherwise, you just say, okay, well, training camp starts then. We expect you there. If you decide you want to retire and stay in California, fine. You know, the, the checks stop, and, you know, we'll see you in three years. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us there. Let me see. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, IndyCar Rev Group, Grand Prix at Road America, and Heiser Automotive. We're honoring police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and our loved ones. If you know of a first responder that deserves recognition for their duties, text the word SERVICE to the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620 or go to WTMJ.com. The deadline for your submission is May 7th. So that's coming up. It's Waterstone Bank's Salute to Service on WTMJ. All right. If you follow me on Twitter at um, at Jeff Wagner 620, and uh, I've got a link to this story. It, it caught my attention. And it's a very, very sad story. There, there's no winners here. But the question is, you know, is what the city is doing wrong? Here's what happened. Friday, April 23rd. So last Friday, what happens is the police are out on the street. And the way this story is described is that there's a car that goes past them um, driving at an excessive rate of speed and driving in a reckless fashion. The police begin to, to chase it. All right. So they attempted to conduct a traffic stop. The vehicle pulls away, as unfortunately happens frequently, intends to conduct a traffic stop. The vehicle travels at excessive speeds. They start to pursue. The driver loses control of the vehicle and crashes into a tree in the 500 block of East Burleigh Street about 1120 p.m. The occupants in the car, 22 year old man and a 20 year old man, are, are killed. They're killed in, in the car crash. So the car, driving recklessly, takes off, smashes into a tree. Um, the, the, the two young men who were killed were apparently part of what is described as a Milwaukee car club. And what's happened is a number of friends of these two have decided to create a a make side, a, a kind of like a makeshift roadside memorial at the place where the accident, the collision happened. You know, they, they, they rammed into a tree is what it looks like to me. So what they, they've done is friends go out and they put balloons up around the tree and there's candles surrounding the area. I mean, if you want to see a picture of it, again, I, I've got a link to it. Uh, Channel 6 did a story about that. So that they put all this this stuff 
out on on the street, on on the sidewalk and on the curb and on the little the, the area, the little grassy area where the tree was, and, and they want to memorialize the fact that their friends died. Well, the neighbors in the area. They, they complain about it. They say, look, here, I mean, here, here's the problem. We've got, this is horrible that somebody died here, but, you know, we, we've got, we, we got all this crap, for want of a better phrase, that, that, that's on, on our, on the sidewalk in the street. And we, we want it, we want it gone. And so they complain to the city. So the Department of Public Works comes out and they, they take it away because they've got several complaints from the neighbors. So the, the people that put this out there, the, the, friends of the two that lost their life you know they're now all upset and they're they're going to the media and they're saying you know that this is this is terrible it hurts that we've lost our friends um you know we we need to grieve and you know what we're doing this is our way of of grieving is putting up our memorial to our our two friends and the city says you you just can't do this you just can't put this stuff there especially when the neighbors are complaining well the group says well we're not we're you you can take the stuff down but we're going to continue to meet here and we're going to continue to put up the memorial so if you take this stuff down we're putting it back up again our number is 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line look it is a tragedy that these two young men lost their lives. It's a tragedy that they decided to run from the police. It's the tragedy that they were driving in an irresponsible fashion in the first place. And it's a tragedy that they're gone. There, there's no question about it. I understand that their friends are upset. I understand that their friends are grieving. But to me, that doesn't give you a right to, to just create your own sort of memorial and go out into a neighborhood and put all sorts of stuff around the trees and all sorts of stuff around the grass. There are places for memorials. There are places to grieve. And the, the spot where somebody lost their life is not necessarily one of them in a neighborhood. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, what do you think? Is the city wrong? Should the city just leave this memorial and, and I guess, others up, especially given the fact that neighbors are apparently complaining about it? 855-616-1620. I, I think the city is has its right. Matter of fact, I think if neighbors are complaining, there, there are spots. You, you. There, there's all sorts of places you can go and, and grieve, and and that's that's you know what they they have cemeteries for. That's what they have churches for. You, you know, if if you want to set up a memorial in your basement or whatever, that's perfectly appropriate. But I don't think when it's when you're talking about other people's property or public property, I don't think, and I don't mean to be cruel and heartless about this, but I don't think you have a right to just go in and say, okay, we're going to put up all this stuff, and nobody better take it down. We discuss in a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of our texters makes the point I was going to make next. Jeff, I'm tired of pop up memorials. If you want to light candles and bring flowers, go to a church. If anything, this is a distraction and may cause another accident. That that is the position I've taken over the years while doing a radio show because th- this comes up from time to time. I, I think that these these roadside memorials 
have the potential to make matters worse because they are a distraction. Now, I, I don't I don't know about the particular area where, where this one is. Is it likely that people are going to look away and smash into the tree or something? But but this it comes up. It, it is a distraction. It, it's why we have all sorts of rules with what you can have by the side of the road and what you can't. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, I did not agree with the state senator's Christmas tree, and I do not agree with Memorial on the, for the same reasons, essentially. Jeff, I think these types of memorials should be able to stay up, provided it is tasteful and well-maintained, though. Private property, though, that's up to the landowner. Public property, I don't see the problem again, provided it's tasteful and well-maintained. Well, I'm going to stop it there. I mean, it's where, where do you, in fact, draw the line then? I mean, um, okay, so you, you say, all right, this this little strip of land, it's, it's, it's public property, because the city has to maintain it so you know we can put stuff up there well how do you limit that do you say all right you get to put stuff up there if somebody you knew you know died in a car crash there but what about other uses of that if you say hey this is the place where i first uh, kissed my my wife and i i want to memorialize this do you have a right to do it and for some people it might be saying oh you're just trivializing trivializing it no my my question is where where do you draw the line and i guess these areas, the, these roadside memorials on public property that are, I don't think you can let individual people, whether it's like friends or family members, decide that, okay, we're going to take over public property for this particular memorial. Jeff, why are the neighbors complaining? Is it a hazard? Is it obstructing anything? Is this public property? I think the neighbors need to find other things to complain about, and if it upsets them, they can simply not look at it. No, I I just, I don't think you just have a right to put whatever you want up on, on public property. Jeff, I think, here's a text. Jeff, I'm sorry. I believe that this is littering. Littering is a crime. Jeff, I agree with you 100%. And honestly, I've never understood how putting up flowers and balloons at the site of a collision is going to help me with my grieving process. If anything, I might want to stay away from the site of the tragedy. Jeff, you're, you know, you're right. The places that you, you grieve typically is at, you know, grave sites and cemeteries. A number of people are making that point. You know, put those type of items, um, there. Jeff, if it's public property, then the majority of the public has the right to say what goes on. Well, yes and no. I mean, the I mean, they have rules in the city of Milwaukee. They have rules in Milwaukee County. They have rules in every community about what private citizens can put on public property. And this idea that, okay, we're going to commandeer this for a roadside memorial. And I understand the folks are grieving. I I get it. I'm not trying to minimize that tragedy. But I I just don't think you can let people put roadside memorials up anytime, anywhere they want. And who decides, who gets to decide whether they're properly taken care of or not? In any event, the city took all this down on Thursday, the organizers say that they're, they're going to put more stuff up. My guess is the city will take that down as well. Back with lots more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. You'll be sorry if you do. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, we, we've been talking for the last week or so about the problems I was having with my car. Yeah. Right? Okay. And, and, and so if for, to, to fill people in, it's um, I, I have a, a new car, three months old. And uh, a week ago, Monday, go out to start the car. The battery is completely dead. Call the roadside assistance. They tow it to the nearest dealer to me for that car. But it's not the dealer I bought the car at. The, the guy, they, they charge the battery and send me on my way. And I, I was not happy about that because I knew there was a, 
underlying problem. It's not like I. You know, what, why does the battery in a new car? Right, die? Something so, else was going right, on. Right, and the guys. Well, we, because you know it's under warranty, and the, the, we're not allowed to do any more than that the first time. Okay, so fine. So that's it. I drive it for a week. This Monday, completely dead again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, call roadside assistance. This time, they, they tow it to the dealer that I, I bought it from, and they were. They were much more responsive. Now, admittedly, it's the second time. So they replace the battery, they run a test, and then they see that, yes, there is something draining the battery. So they then say, we need to keep it overnight. So they keep it overnight, and they run the test, and they said, okay, well, what we've done is they did various software updates, and they said, this has fixed the problem. And you call that a parasitic drain. Right, it's called a parasitic, parasitic drain because yeah. there's all these, there's all these, there's, with these modern cars, you know, 20 years ago, the, the, no the, the clock, there's no stuff, computer, yeah. right? Maybe it was the clock that mm-hmm. runs off the battery. Now there's all this stuff that is operating and it's supposed to shut off. Most of it's supposed to shut off when you shut off the car, although you've got the like alarm and stuff. Anyways, there was something that was not shutting off and it was draining the battery. So they run this, there's this test that they run and they said, yeah, you know, you, it's draining the battery. There's something going on here. So the fix was to do a bunch of several software updates. I, I don't know. All I know is they did it. They said, we've tested it and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And so far the car is driving just fine but to, to show your influence so yeah that's no no the, the, and, and how you know people like listen to you and stuff like that so yesterday I, I come home i was going to the baseball game so i come home and um my wife fran is she's parked in the middle of the garage why she's in the middle of the garage i'm not i'm not exactly <laughs> yeah. sure that but she's in the middle of the garage but she was going out she was going to take her granddaughter out to dinner and so i i park on on the street because i was going to the baseball game so i park on the street fine getting ready to go to the baseball game i go out and all of a sudden, as I'm, I'm starting the car, there's like a, a guy who's a walker lives in the I, lives in the the area the, the subdivision next to where I live, and he's like standing by my car. I kind of like jumped, thinking, "Okay, what's going?" On? And he said, "Did your car start? I I saw it parked out here in front of your house, and I I was afraid that it's died again." I said, yeah. "No, no, no. My wife is just parked in this center, but no, I, I don't think it's died and stuff." But he said, "No, I I've been listening on the radio, and I've been hearing you and Melissa talk about how the the car was this." I said, "No, no, no. It's fine." So, all right. So that's them. Then I leave the subdivision, go pick up my buddy Evan. We drive to Miller Park. True story. We're in the line to um, go into the preferred parking thing at, at Miller Park, and there's a, a lady there who I know is a listener, and she's one of the women. She, she takes, you know, you know, takes your money to go mm-hmm. in the parking thing. And first thing she says is, "Is your car running? Is your car okay?" <laughs> so I know. And I said, "Oh, it's it's, it's no." I said, "It's fine." Well, I've been hearing you and Melissa talk it's about so this. It's so relatable. You know? I mean, everybody's dealt with something similar to this. So it, it's. I said, "No, no, it's it, it's fine." I think they. I think they've solved the problem. Love the dealership. So, very, yeah. very happy with this. But no, it's. And then I, I every more day I sit here and I get some texting. How's the car going? Car at least right now the battery is starting and it's it's it took the second time but I think they've fixed the problem. Good. But yeah, it, it is it is a frustrating sort of thing. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's one of the most frustrating things, especially when you gotta be somewhere at a certain time and you get in. It's a surprise and there's no, uh, right. you know, it's, it's very aggravating. Right. Well, it, this has been less of a surprise after it happened the second time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. and of course I'm fortunate. I mean, I'm fortunate. It's not like this is the only car we have. And the first day it happened, I just borrowed my wife's car and and. And then the second day, um, she she took me in or whatever. We we, we mm. were dropped me off. We were able to work it out. But uh, car is working fine. And if you ever have this parasitic draw, first thing you should say to them is, okay, uh, software updates. That's what I've learned about all this. Software updates. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guessing a lot of people have this issue if they buy you know buy a new or a new used car or something like well, that. Well, I'm on the int- see when when this is happening. Of course, this is the the. The glory and the danger of the internet, because I'm trying to diagnose this, and I'm on there and I'm looking at these forums, and I, I was 
seeing a bunch of people saying, yeah, this was what the problem was, and we kept having this, and then they updated the software. So hopefully everything is fine. Good to so, go. We'll but cross I, our fingers. And I do so much appreciate people seeing me out and about and asking about that. Yes. I, I appreciate that. All right. Here is the deal. I've been waiting all day to discuss this with you because I want to figure out what your reaction is. There is there is no question that over over the years, through the government, in an effort to make up for historical discrimination, we have crafted programs designed to benefit various various minority groups. And that, that's the whole idea behind, you know, affirmative action and, and things of, of the like. And the idea is, okay, we've had this, this historically, um, various groups, fill in the blank, have been mistreated. And so what we want to do is we want to, you know, create programs that are going to help them um, get back to even. All right, well, here's, here is the story. Now, as part of the American Rescue Plan Act, which was something that was pushed for by, by President Biden, what happens is there, there are farmers all across the country, and, and farmers have been hit. I mean, everybody was hit hard with COVID, but, but farmers have been hit hard with COVID as well. Markets have been disrupted and things of the like. So a number of farmers, in order to make ends meet, what they do is they, they get loans every year from the Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency. And they can use these loans, for example, to, to go buy, buy seed, you know, that they can use for their crops or buy new equipment or things like that. There's a variety of things you can do with this, but you get a loan. And the idea is you get a loan from the government. You can use it in many cases. That money is sort of fronted to you, so you can go and, again, buy crops, do whatever, buy stuff to plant and all. And then the idea is, as the year goes on, what happens is you you sell your crops, you make your money, you you pay back the loan. That That's kind of the, the idea. So lots of farmers have that. Well, because of COVID, farmers were hit hard. And so there's a new loan program that was created as part of this overall relief, um, a loan forgiveness program that was part of the that, that $2 trillion American Plan Rescue Act. You know, and that's what you know President Biden has, has, has talked about, the thing they got through. And what this does is this new loan program says to farmers, Here, here's the deal, you can get... of your loan forgiven. So if your loan is $100,000, you can apply and and we'll wipe, we'll take $20,000 away off off of the loan or figure out the amount. You can get up to 20% forgiven. Okay, and there's $4 billion that's set aside in these loan forgiveness funds. Okay, $4 billion. billion. All right, so. What's the issue? Why are we talking about this, Jeff? It sounds great. You know, people have been affected by COVID, etc. Well, here's the, the catch. Under the Biden administration, only socially disadvantaged farmers may apply for, for the loans. The law says that to be eligible, you must be black slash African-American, American Indian or Alaskan Native, Hispanic or Latino, or Asian American or Pacific Islander, all right? If you are a farmer that fits into one of those categories, you can apply for the relief. If you are not in one of those categories, you're you're out of luck. <laughs> you know, you're out of luck. So this lawsuit that has been filed in Green Bay, federal court in Green Bay, has 
five white farmers from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, and South Dakota who are are suing, saying this is pure racial discrimination and violation of our right to equal protection, you know, under the Constitution. And their argument is, hey, that this is giving away taxpayer money based solely on on race. And the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, and we've had their representatives on the radio constantly, you know, they're, they're seeking an injunction saying, you know, you, you can't, it's one thing to have this program, and, it, and it's great, great program, but you can't use racial classifications in determining the eligibility for the payments or for the loan modifications. It's just pure discrimination. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, what do you think about this? Farmers all over the country are hurting. The government, this particular government program, only, only will help minority farmers. And if you're a small white, uh, if you're a white farmer in, in Chilton with 50 cows that you're milking and you owe a bunch of money, you're out of luck. This doesn't strike me as right. How about you? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And see, these various small farmers, their, their point is, look, we, we understand that sometimes you can you can tailor a government program to, you know, to, to try to help a, a disadvantaged group. But in this particular case, they're saying, look, it, it, you know, COVID, COVID did not disproportionately hurt Latino farmers or it didn't disproportionately hurt black farmers or it didn't particularly hurt, you know, um, Pacific Islander farmers. COVID hit hurt all farmers. And so to single out people based on on race is pure, complete discrimination. And what would the reaction be if we said, okay, in order to qualify for these payments or this loan forgiveness or whatever, we're going to give it to white farmers. That's going to be the criteria. Well, you know, everybody would be screaming bloody murder and appropriately so. Isn't this the same case? Pat and Wabino. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. My wife and I took my wife and I took over my in-laws farm. And you are absolutely correct what you just said. It's total discrimination. If it was a reverse, it was only for whites, they'd be screaming bloody murder. It's time the government quit playing games with everybody. Well, right. I mean, th- thanks for calling. And again, it's I I understand that there might be a situation where you come and you say, "Okay, look, COVID has had a a disproportionately large impact on the Asian American community, I, and, and you can be able to come up with reasons for that, okay? And, you know, the, the Asian American housing community or, or whatever, and that's why we need to target certain relief to to help the Asian American community because we can justify it. We can say, look, th- this is what happened, and this has disproportionately affected this group. Well, farmers are farmers, and, and that, that's what these white farmers are saying. Look, we're you know, COVID hit us all. Yeah, we're all in favor of this relief program. COVID hurt black farmers. COVID hurt Latino farmers. COVID hurt white farmers as well. There's no basis in this case for discriminating against white farmers versus black farmers versus you know Asian farmers. I I understand what they're trying to do, but if it's COVID relief that's designed, shouldn't we be colorblind when it comes to this stuff? Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 
Hello, good afternoon, Jeff. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, this issue is about uh, COVID relief. This issue about uh, the fact that people were, were affected by this, uh, farmers were affected by this drastically, and I think all farmers should participate in it. This is not about trying to solve a, a particular racial issue or racial problem that, uh, that has cropped up in the past or whatever. This is about this is about a virus that has, has affected a, a large amount of the farmers in this country, and I think they all should participate in this front if that's what it's for. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to think of other examples. Let let's say that that you go back and you find that historically we find um, Latinos, for the sake of argument, Latinos have been denied rights to higher education. You know, and so what we're going to do is we're going to craft programs that provide additional resources that are targeted to Latinos to help them afford college or whatever. Well. Well, that's fine because it's based on, hey, historically, we, we have now determined that Latinos were, were mistreated or whatever. But like you were saying, that's not what this is. This is this is COVID and and COVID hurt black farmers and Latino farmers and white farmers and Asian farmers and everybody. Everybody, it seems to me, should be able to qualify for this. Yes, exactly. And 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 uh, I think it was a misstep by the uh, by uh, by uh, uh, right. administration and just doing it this way. And I think yeah, the lawsuits are fair. I think you need to go after this because the fact is is that it doesn't solve the problem that right. they're trying to solve. Right. No, exactly. Right. Thanks. For, right. If this is if this is COVID relief, this would be like saying it. I mean, this would be my okay. People got the stimulus checks, right? This would be like saying, okay, instead of sending everybody $1,400 stimulus checks, you know, what we're going to do is we're only going to send $1,400 stimulus checks to fill in the blank, you know, pick whatever box that you want to check with. Well, you know, if the idea behind this is we're relieving, we're providing COVID relief, everybody was impacted. Now, I'm the guy that argued that, you know, we we sent too many people and we should have had more testing and try to figure out, you know, were you really affected by COVID and things like that? But uh, I lost that battle. But if you tried to just say, okay, we're going to identify people, whenever you're making decisions and determinations based exclusively on race, and that's that's what this this is. You need to be of a certain race in order to qualify for it. There, there needs to be really, at least in my opinion, there needs to be really, really narrow guidelines and specific findings about okay, what why why is it only black farmers? Why is it only Latino farmers? Why is it only Pacific Islander farmers that are getting this particular relief? Why are we discriminating against other people? And candidly, right now, um, I, I don't think the Farm Services Agency and I don't think the Biden administration has a good answer for this. I don't know what the courts are going to do with it, but I think this is one of these lawsuits that is clearly appropriate. Back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, this is admittedly scary. Where do I have this story from? This is uh, from Channel 12. Hales Corners. The mean streets of Hales Corners. Listen to this. A woman waiting to pick up her kids from school Wednesday was carjacked at gunpoint just before students were let out at St. Mary's Parish School in Hales Corners. 
two guys went up to her car and demanded her keys and phone at gunpoint. Hales Corners police were on high alert Thursday, um, keeping a close eye on the school pickup line. Carjacking happened right in front of a witness. As soon as she got to my window, the black car took off. I got in the car, and we tried to get where I could get behind them. Others waiting in line saw two cars race by. Two cars came flying by, driving fast for an area by the school, said another witness who was in the pickup line. Earlier Wednesday, Germantown police investigated a similar armed carjacking at the Fairway Knoll Senior Living Center. Gunmen there stole a black BMW with a similar make and model to the one seen at St. Mary's. So here's what happens. They, they carjack carjack something at the Senior Living Center, use that car to drive to St. Mary's, and they carjack a woman sitting waiting to pick up her kid at the Catholic grade school. Um, apparently, this is... I, this is starting to happen more and more. Um, one of the questions the reporter asks is, how could this happen in a parent pickup line here? To which they say, um, yeah, that, that that's a very, very good question that's there. I just I, I bring this up because what we're starting to see is the brazenness of criminals that are out there. I mean, and seriously, I mean, just try to imagine the situation. I understand that there are times that you're going to be on alert Maybe that, you know, I got to really pay attention to my surroundings and things like that. I would not necessarily think one of those occasions would be if you're in line waiting to pick up your kid when the kid is getting out at the Catholic grade school. And it, but that is exactly what happened. So you have these thieves that have no regard for anything that are just looking for targets of opportunity. I'm going to make a prediction here, and I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb. When they catch the creeps that did this, assuming that they do, and most times they do, but sometimes no. When they catch the creeps that do that, did this, what do you want to guess that this was their first time at the rodeo? What do you want to guess that they have criminal records as long as my arm and that they've been through the system on multiple occasions and been given probation and double secret probation and have never been held accountable and therefore feel emboldened to go out and to carjack somebody at gunpoint while they're waiting for their kid to come out of a Catholic grade school. And by the way, don't send me a text saying, why are you saying Catholic grade school? It happened at a Catholic grade school. But I don't care if you're in line you know, at a public school or a private school or a parochial school. You should be able to do that without fear of being carjacked by a couple thugs. But apparently in this community now, crime has gotten so out of control that you can't be safe anywhere, even picking your, up, your kid up after school. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Crew producing the show today and always. Why don't we um, why don't we do a segment which will uh, again irritate pretty much everybody on both sides of the political aisle from what I'm about to say. How about that? You up for it? That's the name of the game. That is the name of the game. We call it like we see it on the Wagner program. All right, here's the deal. Florida has just passed a, a series of, of voting restrictions, voting reform, and it's going to be signed by the governor. Um, just like in Georgia, Florida is the, the legislature is controlled by Republicans. It's a it's a Republican governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, and the Republicans have um, strong majorities in both the the House and the the Senate, or whatever they call it, what they call it, the Assembly, or whatever it is. So that that it, it's passed. So they they've passed. A series. Uh, they passed a law that that does a series of 
tight, what I will describe it as tightening up things. And I understand that this is going to be once again labeled Jim Crow and all that type of stuff, which is over the top rhetoric. I mean, here's a couple things it does. Just like the law that was passed in Georgia, it says that you can't approach people who are standing in line to vote and give them free stuff. So the idea would be if you're a member of the service union or the NRA, you know, you, you can't go up and you can't go up to voters and you can't give them free soda and cookies and things like that. I have no problem with that. I, I don't I think that's I think it's bad policy. Well what if what if what if somebody's hot and thirsty? Well, okay, I mean I've been voting for my entire life and I, I've I've never been so overwhelmed that I needed to, you know, have somebody give me me food or, or water or whatever. But if it's going to be really hot, I'm going to be waiting in line. I can bring my own water. So I that this oh that's Jim Crow to not allow people, you know, dressed in the Union T-shirts to go and try to give people free stuff. I, I think th- that's not a bad policy matter. In Florida, one of the things that they have done is they have said that for for apps you can't just request that absentee ballots be sent to you permanently. You you have to request them for every general election. So, in other words, you, you can't just say, okay, just send me an absentee ballot for the next 20 years. You have to say, okay, the, the 2022 general election is coming up, send me an absentee ballot. And, and they'll do it. And the law says that that's fine. Then, you, then when the 2024 presidential election comes, you have to request another absentee ballot. I don't have any problem with that either because people move, people change addresses. The idea of just automatically sending out ballots year after year after year without it being requested, I, don't, I, don't, I understand why they do it. And I don't think that that's an unduly sort of burdensome thing. So, And there, there's other rules as well. But the one I want to talk to you about is one that candidly... I don't understand why why you need to crack down on this. And this is an issue that we have in Wisconsin as well. Now, in Wisconsin, it's a little bit different because it's a question about whether or not the law allows it. But I want to talk about drop boxes. Now, as an overview, I think there, there's, a, there, there's a balancing that goes on. You want to obviously eliminate election fraud and preserve the integrity of an election. No question about it. And on the other hand, you want to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to vote. So that that's always the balancing. We want to make it easy for people to vote. But at the same time, we, we don't want to make it so easy and have rules that are so lax that what that does is it invites you know people to try to game the system. So th- those are the two balancing things. So in Florida, what they have now done is the, these drop boxes, uh, they have essentially outlawed the drop boxes. They, they've said that you you can't have mobile drop boxes. A drop box being kind of like a mailbox, except you don't have to mail it. You could go up, you take your, you get your absentee ballot, you fill it out, you go through all the rigmarole, you do all the stuff that you need to do to to make sure it's going to be counted. You put your number on it or whatever, and instead of having to go in physically and drop it off, give it to an election official, or put a stamp on it and mail it back, what you would do is you go to a drop box and they had them positioned all across the, you know, the state. And what you would do is you would just take it and you, you, you drop it in the drop box. And then somebody from the clerk's office would come by every day or whatever, and they would collect them. 
and then they would they would treat them like all other absentee ballots would be treated. Uh, they'd, they'd have they'd have to make sure that you know the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. All right. So what this new Florida law does is it essentially says you can't have unmanned drop boxes. Drop boxes can only be available during the time that's allowed for early voting. So if the poll, if the early voting office is open, the drop box can be opened. In ad- oh, it can be open. In addition, the drop boxes can't be unmanned. There has to be a representative from the clerk's office on scene when you come and you return the drop box, when you return your ballot. So they're, they're kind of being constantly monitored. All right, our number is 855-616-1620, and that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I am on record as issuing a heavy sigh and rolling my eyes at a lot of the, the rhetoric that's out there. President Biden talking about these restrictions in Georgia being, you know, nothing like, but 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 Jim Crow 2.0, that, that, that's, that is pandering. Um, and I think it's unfortunate that the president has chosen to go that route. I, I don't think it's Jim Crow to say you can't go up and give free stuff to somebody who's standing in, in line. And as we've talked about, uh, a lot of these new restrictions in Georgia and in Florida, they, they still it's still easier to vote than, say, like in Delaware or in New York in certain respects. But But the one aspect of the law that I, I really do wrestle with is what's wrong with the with the drop boxes. I mean, if, and hear me out here, if I get a ballot and I can put a stamp on it and I can walk to the mailbox and I can put it in the mailbox and then hope that the U.S. Postal Service, I'm sorry, that is a cheap shot. I'm a big fan of the Postal Service. I can put it in the mail. Nobody has to watch me mail it. I fill out the outside of the ballot. I put the stamp on it. I put it in the mailbox. It gets delivered to the clerk's office, and and then my vote gets counted. If I can do that by putting a stamp on it, why shouldn't I I be able to go to a, a drop box that's located I don't know, outside of a post office, say, or outside of City Hall, why shouldn't I be able to just take my ballot, go to a strategically located drop box, and and put it in? I mean, is there really any greater chance of fraud from putting something in a drop box than there is sending something back? 855-616-1620. And I know cutting back on the drop boxes has been one of the things that you see in a lot of these efforts to try to, quote-unquote, tighten up voting. And in Wisconsin, there is a question under the law whether these drop boxes are allowed. All right, that's, I, I don't want to discuss that from the legal perspective. I want to talk more about, you know, wh- why shouldn't we able to be able to use official drop boxes if we want? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, now see, I, I want to be clear. In, in Wisconsin, there is a question whether state election law allows these drop boxes or not. Okay, so let, let's, but, I, but please put that aside. That's, that, that's ultimately a matter for the courts. You know, was this something that was created just out of, out of, of COVID, or does, like, the Elections Commission have the authority to authorize the, the creation of drop boxes? That's the legal question as to whether, in Wisconsin at least, whether the law allows this. Now, in Florida, they have by law now significantly restricted the, the use of these drop boxes. And and I, I just want to talk about the concept. I, I guess I, I don't I don't have a problem with 
with them. I mean, if if I get an absentee ballot and I fill it out and I, I've got dotted my I's and crossed my T's and I can put a stamp on it and put it in a mailbox and send it in and it gets counted, for the life of me, I don't understand why if the particular community wants to put a, a various drop boxes around the area to allow people to, again, put their ballots in these secure drop boxes, and they're still going to be they're going to be scrutinized the same way that the mail-in ballots are. I, I don't understand what the problem is. It, it just, to me, it's the same as mailing a ballot, except it's perhaps more convenient because you don't have to put a stamp on it. And in some respects, if you want your vote counted, it's more secure because, and again, this isn't a knock on the Postal Service, but it's, it's going to be picked up. You're going to have somebody from the clerk's office who will drive around and, and clean them out at the end of every day or, or whatever. 855-616-1620. Is there a problem with drop boxes? Lamar, who is calling us from Orlando. Hi, Lamar. As always. Um, <laughs> of course, I see this as a, a attempt to just restrict making voting more difficult, you know, instead of making it easier, which I always have an issue with. And I believe that the, the conventional wisdom is that if you people think that if you make it easier to vote, more people are going to vote fraudulently, which I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the restrictions here specifically, I think it's it, it just it, first of all, it adds cost to like the drop box because they have to have an actual staff member there. But I don't drop boxes in general, I think, are a great idea. It just makes things easier, especially here uh, in, or- in Orlando when there are lines. I yeah. mean, we have a ton of polling places, but there's lines. There's long lines, and they're not fun to wait in when, right. you know, the average temperature here during, on voting day is 85, 90 degrees. It's just, it's just not fun. And so I like the idea of drop boxes. It makes it a lot easier. Well, um, but I think they're just doing it to – okay, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I guess – you see, and I, I'm just – right, it's the intellectually, if – if you've got that absentee ballot and you can and you can mail it in and it's going to count why and, and we're 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 not worried about that security why why shouldn't you be able to put it into a, a secure drop box and then you know, I, mean, I guess maybe theoretically there's a possibility that somebody's going to steal one of the drop boxes and break into it but somebody could could do the same thing with you know a post office box or something you know one of those those mailboxes i i guess to to me we, we again you you as i was saying earlier lamar you know you want to balance the integrity of the election versus making it as easy as possible for people to vote and, and having official places where you can return your absentee ballots to me that that doesn't really bring into question the integrity of an election right and and i think it's it's also political jeff as is everything right in america everything's political right, right. republicans like chocolate ice cream the democrats like no that's just how it is right and I'm because I'm almost certain that if you were polled the parties, there would be a parity with you know how they you know fell on the side of this argument. But right. I agree, we should make voting more easy. We have the greatest democracy, you know, greatest government on the planet. And right. I just think there's a way that they're, they're trying to stifle votes. That's my opinion. No, thanks, Nicole. Well, I, again, I we want to make I see. I agree. You want to make it make it easy. And, and by the way, I don't buy th- this notion that. Oh, if you make it easy to vote, that means you, you know, guarantee that Democrats are going to win different elections. No, I don't think that that's the case at all. Now, I do think in, in certain areas, one of the lessons of the 2020 election, 2020 was kind of a weird year, um, because of a lot of the different dynamics that were going on and some of the personalities that were involved. But I, I do think in, in many areas of the country, I think Democrats did a better job of mobilizing their voters and taking advantage of the various rules that were out there to get the most votes that they possibly could. That, that's not to say it's fraud, though. It's just that they did a really, really good job. For years, 
the Republican Party was way ahead of the Democrats when it came to computerization and and using you know, computers for voter lists and things like that. And and that's just the reality. And Republicans had an advantage to that regard. This year, I think the Democrats did a much better job again of of mobilizing voters and getting the vote and getting their votes cast. To me, instead of trying to restrict that, okay, we're we're going to make it more difficult for people to vote, absent evidence that, look, this this particular technique really leads to fraud. I mean, I think the lesson for conservatives and Republicans is, okay, we, we need to get as good as the Democrats are at identifying our voters and, and making sure that they take advantage of, of these different ways to vote as well. And it's a little bit of a different dynamic because Democrats tend to cluster in urban areas. So maybe you, you put the drop box in a more heavily in an urban area where there's more people that live in a closer space. And yes, it's going to be easier for people to use the drop boxes. But but that if it's not really something that's likely to result in fraud, why don't you go ahead and, and do that? So they're, they're rolling back the drop boxes in Florida. Do I think it's Jim Crow? No, I don't think it's that. But but moving forward, I think we all want to figure out a way to make it as easy as possible to vote. And to me, drop boxes just make a lot of sense. Back with more in just a minute. And this is Jeff Wagner. You know, it's one of the reasons why I I love going to sporting events, because you never know for sure what you're going to see. Now, you you might have a a preconceived image. For example, yesterday I I had tickets to the the Brewers game, and my buddy Evan and I went to it. And I, I was actually saying, telling people around here, I did not have high expectations. The Brewers have 14 people on the injured list. It is staggering. I don't, I don't know that you've ever seen a team at this stage of the season there's that many people on the injured list. Uh, yesterday, Los Angeles Dodgers, who had had up until yesterday the best record in the National League, okay, the former, the, the reigning world champions, okay, the LA Dodgers, they had Trevor Bauer on the mound, who was pitching for them, arguably one of the two or three best pitchers in baseball, right? The Brewers. On the other hand, because of injuries, they were starting a guy named Eric Lauer, who they got in a trade with Sandy for San, from San Diego a couple of years ago. Last year, he, he he pitched in a handful of games and got pretty much lit up like a Christmas tree. hadn't hadn't pitched. It wasn't on the team. They brought him up from uh, again from Appleton, and they started him against the world champion L.A. Dodgers. And I'm thinking. This is going to be ugly. I'm actually telling my buddy who's hardcore, who doesn't like to leave until the last out. I'm saying, look, if this is a game that it's, it's like seven or eight runs, tomorrow's a school day for me. I, I, we're, we're not going to stay to the bitter end. And I fully expected it to be just a, a blowout. Well, the Brewers win. Eric Lauer you know, pitches five score shutout innings. They, they bring in one reliever after another. It was a great game. Travis Shaw hits a home run. They're head two to nothing into the ninth inning. They score a run on Josh Hader. It was a great, great game. And the Brewers win two to one. And I mean, I did not think I was going to see that. It just, it just reminds me of why I think we like sports because you have a preconceived image of what's going to happen. Oh, this is what looks like. I mean, gosh, the Brewers have no chance. The team is decimated. They're going against one of the best pitchers in baseball and darned if they don't win. It was just an incredible game, a lot of fun, and it's one of the reasons, I think, again, why we were so attracted to this stuff. We think we know what's going to happen. Maybe we know what should happen on paper, but you don't play the games on paper. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So Greg Matzik 
If Denver, now, of course, I, I'm an advocate. I, I, I don't buy this idea that Rodgers has all this, this leverage because he, he's under contract, and if, if he decides he doesn't want to play, I mean, it hurts the Packers, but you just say, okay, fine. You, 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 sit, you sit in California with your, with your you know, trof- trophy wife, girlfriend, or fiancé, or whatever, and, and that's fine. Sit out for the next three years. But, but let us say they decide to trade him. My point had been always that you, you got to get a lot for him. You just can't give him away for you know a bag of baseballs or footballs or whatever. So the report that you had is people are saying that they're close to a deal with Denver. What, what do you what do you get for that? What if you're the Packers? What do you what do you demand? You don't give him away, right? My sense of it is that the pitch process is underway, and if the Denver Broncos are going to set up the rest of their draft. They would like to know if they've got the framework of a deal in place, right? So it's incumbent on the Broncos, if they feel like there's some smoke here, to try and and figure it out. Now, to your point about what's the hall? What's the hall for a a future Hall of Fame quarterback who's got more than a couple years left, I think? I think it starts with two first-round draft picks, a uh, mid-round draft pick, and likely a, a, an ascending young player on the Broncos roster. That's where I would start. Okay, because it, it was sort of interesting, because I was reading the Denver paper. I, I, I always like to, like the, the Brewers beat the Dodgers yesterday. I was reading the L.A. paper. Did you read the, the description of how like, the out-of-town sports writers saw it? One of the things in the Denver Post today is a lot of the observers were very unhappy with Denver's choice. Denver had the ninth pick in the draft yesterday, and they picked a, a defensive back, Curtain, Curtain, I think. Uh, Patrick Curtain, Pe- out Sertan, of Alabama, right, out of Al- who's an who, outstanding player. Right, who's an outstanding player, and they said, hey, he's the best player there. But Denver really doesn't need a cornerback. And I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, now I understand the Packers – Pick the cornerback with their pick, but you, you, and that, that's a position you can never have too many of, I would imagine. And so I, I was sitting there thinking, I'm wondering if the if Denver is considering trying to package stuff, and you know, w- would that be a guy that you would throw in, for example, in a deal? It, it is interesting, and I, I think you see that more in the NBA than you do the NFL, where you, you have like the pick swaps and, and right. involves other players and whatnot. I think Ray Allen and Stephon Marbury, if you want to go back in the day, I, I, the most telling sign to me, Jeff, is that Denver. And they have an unsettled quarterback situation. Well, that's it. They, they, and they, they did they, not take a quarterback. Right. They, they, Pat, they could have had Justin Fields that the Bears traded up to get. They could have had uh, the, the Mac from Jones, Alabama. right, right. Who, who went to the Patriots with 15. So they, you're right, unsettled. That's what people – everybody thought they were going to take a quarterback because they've got – I mean, I, I, saw, I saw they were traded for Teddy Bridgewood or something, but he, he's not the long-term answer. So it makes you wonder whether there is something on the back burner with that. Well, I, they're going to find out. That's for sure. Denver will find out. I, I will say the Packers would likely be more willing to deal with a team like Denver sure. than San Francisco. Right, for the obvious different reasons con- of right, just that's like, a, a right, team just, in your way. Right. Well, right. It, it's out of, in a different conference. Just like when Brett Favre went through all that, they traded him. They they traded him to the New York Jets, and you know then he played with the Jets for a year, and then ultimately, he, but but theoretically, because he's got that contract. Denver could control him for the next few years. So it's not mm-hmm. like he could necessarily force his way out of Denver after a year and end up in San Francisco or L.A. or something. And I get Brian Gutekunst's stance of saying, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers, we have no intention. As soon as you open that door, sure. the value starts to dip. So you have to keep that door shut and let others come knocking on your door to see what right. you can right. well, get you're, in yeah, trade. There's nothing to gain by, I agree with you, there's nothing to gain by saying right now he, he's on the market, but that doesn't mean you can't, Listen when people call up. Sure. So what, what's your guess? Do you think he gets traded? Uh, I am in the 70% category of he will not play for the Packers next year. 
Um, Whether it's a trade or they just let him sit out in California. 36 hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's Green Bay, elsewhere, or nowhere, right? And I'm somewhere stuck between nowhere and elsewhere, if that makes sense. But I just, I don't know Aaron Rodgers to be anything other than a man who digs his heels in. I find him to be stubborn. Um, and that's not always a bad thing huh. when you talk about his play on the field. But I just don't know how this bridge gets repaired without the assurances that he'll have a clear future in Green Bay, along with some maybe inputs on future talent brought to the team a la Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I think that whole situation opened Aaron's eyes. And look what they did in, in Tampa Bay. Yeah. They opened the door to offensive weaponry. So... In the same breath, I just don't feel like the Packers are going to give him any assurances because they drafted a first-round quarterback, and historically speaking, they play. First-round draft picks, when they're a quarterback, they will play. They will see the field. Um, One of our listeners is saying, does Rodgers have a say if he gets traded, or can the Packers just trade him without his approval? No, they don't need his approval. There is No, there's in in Aaron Rodgers' contract, it's void of a no-trade clause. Right. Now, the only, only, see, I was was watching, after the ball game, I came home, I was listening to a number of different people, and everybody kept saying, well, Rodgers has all this leverage. Well, I guess I kind of disagree because he's got a contract. Now, Rodgers' leverage is he cannot show up. He can decide, I'm going to retire. I'm going to sit on my butt in California and, and just wait things out. But th- that that's really his only – and I just don't see that as realistic. I mean, this is a guy who I, – I, can you see Aaron Rodgers sitting out a year? Can you see Aaron Rodgers sitting out two years? It's easy to say in May – April and May, right in in August, right. <laughs> just uh, it's right. just different, right? Especially when you're 37 or 37, going to be 38 years old, and you've got you're in the fourth quarter of your career. I mean, you, you know, we can we can say, do you have two more good years? Do you have four more good years? I mean, who knows exactly? But you're 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 definitely closer to the end than the beginning. Are you going to at the age of 37 say I'm going to sit out a year and try to force him to do something? I just don't see that as realistic. So, but I guess they could trade him, and I guess theoretically you could say I'm not going to report, but. I don't see that as happening. I, I don't see him being an active participant in Green Bay's voluntary off-season program. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Uh, I will also say this: deadline spur action. And right now, for Aaron Rodgers, there's no deadline. He doesn't have to commit to anything just yet on a personal level. Uh, when you're talking about the Packers, you know this 48 hours that the the draft is still in focus becomes a really interesting piece of time. If nothing happens, if the framework of a deal is not agreed to, then you sink into this abyss of speculation and wonder because the GMs are largely out of the news. Isn't there, again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but isn't there, I was was listening to something, if they trade him before, is it June 1st or June 30th, they take a a big salary cap hit that they might be able to avoid some of that if they wait till after that date? Yeah, so what I think would happen is if, if, if a framework of a deal is agreed upon, right. it would not be executed until after June first. Right. Uh, amazingly, even though Aaron Rodgers is under contract and there's a you know significant salary, there would be some cap savings if he were dealt prior to June first, and more significant cap savings if he were dealt after, after. June first. Right. So and it's all about dead money and contract. There's a lot that goes into it, but it it's not as untenable as you might think. Right. Given his contract situation to trade him. So if the deal was with Denver, for example, a couple future draft picks, a couple first rounds like you're talking about, maybe mid round pick, and a couple, as you said, one or more ascending players, you could you could reach that framework of the agreement but not pull the trigger until June first, and that still gives 
everybody time to have their be in their place by the, by the time training camp opens. Yeah, I, I think that lo- that's logical to me. Um, now the other thing is this: if Denver ends up dealing a couple of first round draft picks, well, their quarterback is no longer Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater; it's Aaron Rodgers. So where does that draft pick end up in the first round? It's not ten. It's not number nine anymore. Now you're talking right. about something likely in the twenties, right? So it's it's uh, right. It's much different, right? The, right. the, the, the right, sex which is, appeal of that first round pick it right. changes. But which is why, to your point, it's not just draft picks. You you need one or more ascending players because that's what I think I they think were so. talking about with the 49ers potential deal. It's like okay, you get the number three pick in this year's draft, and you get you know, a, a couple other players, and you get to pick one, pretty much anybody on the roster. So you're right. You'd have to – you'd need a couple players and just the draft picks. Huh. We live in interesting yeah, times. More to come. This one ain't dying, that's for sure. All right. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.